0: This podcast is brought to you by AG3D Printing, where we're bringing your ideas into reality. Uh, 3D printing service for anybody who needs anything done 3D printing. Don't have a 3D printer? No worries. I've got you covered. And you can check us out on Instagram at AG3D Printing or at our website at www.ag3d-printing.com. And if you want to help support the podcast, do your Amazon shopping through us and use our link uh, that's on every episode, including this one, and at todayinspace.net forward slash home. What's up, folks? And welcome to the 100th episode, 100, of the Today in Space podcast. It is an absolute pleasure and an honor to have gotten this far. Uh, you know, I, I sometimes can't believe we're even, it's been 100 episodes and I've talked for this long, but thank you for listening. You know, I, I everyone who's listened from day one, from episode 50, or you've just started now. Uh, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And you know, if you if you love what you're you're listening to every week, and you love the nonsense and the science that we bring every week, tell your friends about us. Help spread the word. You know, let's let's the next hundred episodes. You know, uh, let's let's get this science and nonsense and love to everybody uh, and to more people. So uh, the, this hundredth episode, I wanted to do something special. And I had uh, some of my old friends. If you remember the first Drinking with the Engineers episode, uh, my friends John Neary and Neil Crawford, I had them back because we need to talk about some space DNA and talk about you know what Kate Rubens has done in on the ISS, you know, sequencing DNA for the first time in space. What does that mean? And and we're going to talk more about DNA. So if you're new to DNA, don't worry. I am too, so it's a learning experience for everybody. So we're going to ask a lot of questions, have a few beers, get a little crazy, and just have a fun time, because that's what it's all about, okay? So thank you, everybody, for listening and for getting us to 100 episodes. It wouldn't be here without you. So thank you so much, and without further ado, let me bring back on Neil Crawford and John Neary for another episode of Today in Space. The Drinking with Engineers edition. And here's to a 100 more episodes. Maybe 500. Who knows? So buckle up, get ready, and let's do this thing. Hello, everybody, and Mm -hmm. welcome to Today in Space. Today, as I promised before, I brought my genetics... Geneticist friends? Geneticist? Gen- Gen- genetics E. genetic
1: E. Genetic-y. genetic-y friends. Genetic-y. That might be the best word. <laughs> to be. Genetically
0: geeky friends. Yes. Uh, on the show because we got a ton of stuff to talk about. DNA in space. It's been all over the place. And... Uh, We need to talk about it, and I'm not qualified to talk about it. So, uh. (laughs) Shit. (laughs) We're
1: starting off strong here.
0: So, uh. But not only that, it is also the 100th episode of the podcast. Congrats. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, uh, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 Some beers. Cheers. Some beers. So, given as the 100th, you guys have been there, been here before. Uh, I had a blast with you guys last time, hmm. as always. I mean, th- that's what the drinking with engineers is. Like, it's just what we used to do in college. Oh, yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Every night. Well, not <laughs> every night. <laughs> well, okay, all right.
0: <laughs> Most, nights. Most nights. <laughs> Most nights. Most nights. <laughs> Most nights where we just had a few drinks or even just in general. It wasn't even about the drinking. It was about hanging out and being around all
1: people who are involved in science. Yeah. You know. Just uh, uh, kind of shooting the breeze with people yeah. that were more or less smarter. Or as smart, or maybe a little less smart than you. But that was, you know, that was fun.
0: Yeah. And so that's kind of where this whole, uh, I don't even know, it's not even a segment, it's kind of a show, whatever. Drinking with Engineers, that's what this is all about, is just hanging out, having a few beers, and talking nonsense. Um, As well as science. Also nonsense. Also nonsense. Um, you know, as always, the disclaimer is we have been drinking. So please, if, if you feel like we said something wrong or you don't agree, you're free to look up the science yourself. Yeah, we're, we're not holding you back. I guess
1: send an angry email to Greco because I won't <laughs> yep. see it, but he will. So. Yep.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I,
1: I would more than,
0: more than be happy to
1: answer you back. So,
2: <laughs> so uh, introduce you guys. Well, introduce yourselves, I guess, is a good way. Neil. Uh, my name is Neil Crawford. Um, I got a degree in biology and biotechnology from WPI and I currently work for a company called Good Start Genetics where I'm, uh, I am I kind of moved out of the lab so I'm doing more software development now.
1: And uh, my name is John Neary. Uh, I worked at Good Start with Neil. I went to college with Neil and Greco at uh, Worcester Polytechnic. I got my undergrad in biology but now I'm currently in a master's degree program for genetic counseling and um, you know it's been fun. It's been interesting. I'm glad yeah. to be here.
0: And I'm, I'm glad to have you guys back. I mean, it's been uh, there's been a lot of stuff. You know, the big thing has been Kate Rubin's sequencing DNA yeah, in space yeah. for the first time. You know, that's a pretty fucking big deal, at mm-hmm. least from what I've understood. And I mean, you guys, I yeah. uh, want to kind of get from you guys, like, how, how much of a big deal is that for you guys in the industry?
2: Um, well, it doesn't really impact what what we do, but mm-hmm. uh, you can see, like, how that will extend our knowledge of, of space if we get... Right. Mm-hmm to a new system if we find something we'll actually be able to code it and figure out how it functions and how it relates to life on earth
3: right
1: Right.
2: And I think the expectation, too, is that, you
1: know, this achievement really is actually going to be something that really impacts a lot of other areas of the science missions on, you know, the space station, because a lot of medicine right now does rely on this kind of DNA sequencing technology. Mm -hmm. And until we've been able to prove conclusively that something like a PCR reaction will work in space, that would really hamper any kind of medical effort that would need to be done on the space station. A lot of Um, In a hospital even, if somebody has a blood infection or any kind of infection, one of the first tests you might do is a PCR sequencing reaction to determine where that bacteria came from, how to best treat it. So if an astronaut doesn't have that power, you know, that kind of relies on Houston or whoever Mm -hmm. to kind of start throwing out these medical suggestions. But if we have a sequencer on board, Mm -hmm. you know, we can really educate our treatment plan for someone like that.
0: Yeah, and do it kind of
1: real-time. And do it like a real-time, yeah, real-time treatment plan. So so let's go back. So uh, for those who
0: are new, because we have a lot of people listening to the show who are not necessarily scientists or never mind geneticists um, and even for myself. Uh, So PCR interaction, you were talking about PCR reaction. Right. Explain that a little bit more.
2: Uh, Neil? Um, It's basically just uh, a copy machine. Uh, So when you want to sequence something, you need to look at the code, but it helps if you have several copies of it. It'll make all your signals stronger. So it just – what it does, you know – DNA has these two strands that are wrapped around the double helix. Mm-hmm. So um, it's just like you put some enzymes in there and then you just cook it at different temperatures for a long time. However so long it's like time.
0: an easy-bake oven for right. DNA. It really is. Um, now it? it's <laughs> been, uh,
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. now it's been standardized, replicated mm-hmm. many times. Mm-hmm. You know, we have it down to like, pretty much the bare basics of what you need, actually, to perform a reaction like this. I think maybe in the 80s when they invented this, it was a lot more difficult, a mm-hmm. lot more time-sensitive and harder to do. But sure. now, after, what, 30 years? After about 30 years of, like, polishing, it's, like, a pretty well-established technique now. Mm. So so one of the
0: questions I had, I was thinking about this because I wanted to hopefully have some good questions for you guys, is, like, that reaction, is is sequencing DNA, is that, like, something that's really sensitive because i mean for me from my background like like with r&d like whenever you're doing something brand new like right. every little thing that you do or don't do yeah is super super important <clears throat> to getting the end result so like when you're doing a, a sequencing of dna or even prepping the dna for right. it like how sensitive is that whole process
1: well you know theoretically even having one strand of foreign dna mm-hmm. in your solution one molecule of dna is enough to destroy your reaction
0: okay so so we're talking like
2: clean rooms and right yeah it's super okay. like right. everything's clean we have our rooms negatively pressured so just giant legal. white rooms that are exactly. right. Right. Well, <laughs> it's you know it's i guess you know it's not
1: radioactive per se but there's you know a series of precautions that need to be made to ensure that you're actually hmm. doing what you think you are doing and okay. that you're amplifying the right dna and not maybe some rogue bacterium you know, hmm. de- you, know de- you know dna that kind of like slipped into the reaction right out, so
0: right. Well, it's, it's interesting it kind of goes back to the whole uh we were, we were talked about this right before where you know when you're going to another planet trying to find life like they do all these processes especially nasa does all these processes when like we're sending stuff to mars there's a whole clean room environment has to stay in there oh, the yeah. whole time and they don't want to accidentally find life on another planet but then realize oh That was us. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We just found ourselves. (laughs) And, you know, there's
1: actually, I feel like, been some discussion that, you know, the Voyager probes that we sent out, you know, they haven't really been that clean in terms of Earth microbes. So it's possible that kind of the cat's out of the bag at this point, that we already have kind of Martian microbes by way of the Voyager probes that have kind of of already started to, you know, get busy on Mars. And Mm -hmm. what we discover on Mars might not really be Martian life. Yeah.
0: And it's weird because, you know, especially with Voyager, I mean, the Voyager missions, they used all, from what I understand, could be wrong. I am drinking. (laughs) Um, But when we were deciding those missions, the planets were aligned in such a way that we could jettison ourselves around each one, make our way past each one, take Mm -hmm. pictures, blah, blah, blah. But use each one's gravitational push to then get us to the edge of the universe, uh, uh, universe, galaxy. Or solar system, solar wow, system. let's go down the size. Okay, so solar system, so that we could find out, you know, what's really past there. Um, so really, I mean, like if there's some like filter you could put on that shows like, I don't know, like DNA or like mm. extra stuff. Like it's just this trail of like nonsense falling mm-hmm. behind the Voyager right. probes, you know, and we've been around every planet. So, I mean, right. it's, not, it's not like it's super easy for us to contaminate another planet, but at the same time the conditions it's right. It's possible.
1: Yeah. And, <laughs> and since, the, you know, since the 70s where, like, these kinds of missions have been released, we have discovered that there are microbes that do exist in high atmosphere around the Earth. And it's mm-hmm. totally possible that if we have atmosphere-to-atmosphere atmosphere contact between mm-hmm. Earth and Mars, that some of those high-atmosphere microbes have already been kind of um, washed onto the Martian atmosphere and from there kind of colonized.
3: Right.
1: Now, obviously, the density... Of the Martian atmosphere is a little different, so I don't anticipate that it will be exactly the same. But I get the impression that at high, you know, really high altitudes, the Earth, you know, Earth atmosphere isn't that thick either. So Mm. it's it's kind of up in the air as to something, and it would be almost impossible to find out if this has already happened or not. But it's kind of a fun idea.
0: Oh yeah, a lot of this stuff is you know, and uh, to go back to, excuse me, to go back to. Uh, one of the things you guys were first saying, with the sequencing in DNA, you know, one of the things, you know, finding life on other planets, you know, especially the the device that Kate mm. Rubens used, the Minion, which, of right. course, I've called it Minion until I actually typed <laughs> it in Google. And I was like, oh, yeah. Minion. Um, that's kind of like the tricorder size thing that we right. ha- have in Star Trek. And, like, do you think that down the road this could be something that... Could help, you know, pioneers when astronauts when they're going out there to like Mars or something. Mars specifically, I guess, mm-hmm. it's the most realistic in our lifetime chance that this could happen. Right. Do you think it's reasonable to say that uh, a device like that or a device that's that looks like that in the future is gonna allow us to do things at a much faster pace and like you know instead of having to go to Mars and then take samples and then bring it back and test it on Earth do you think a device like that's going to be really big for us, to, especially, like, the yes. pace? Yeah,
2: it's yeah. going to be huge. Well, yeah.
1: I mean, really, for me, it's um, it's critical that we would have some kind of sequencing technology available on Mars, even if it wasn't designed, per se, on Martian microbes. Mm-hmm. But the idea of having to send samples back from Mars to Earth for analysis just doesn't fly for me. You know, yeah. like, that just would be so much – it would be an arduous task, really. And- mm mm-hmm. I think it would significantly impede any efforts to understand the biology of Mars. So, Yeah.
2: yeah. I mean, there's also the possibility that whatever we find isn't DNA-based. <laughs>
1: oh, my right. God. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. crazy. That's you know, crazy. It really does, and there's no way to know what we'll find, of course. But, you know, it's very probable that if we oh do discover God. an alien life form with no, with no contact with, you know, you know Earth biology, yeah. that, you know, whatever synthesis, whatever genetic information that they possess is radically different chemistry that won't really cooperate with a PCR reaction.
0: Dude, my mind is just, like, blown right now with the <laughs> possibilities. Like, yeah, that that's a possibility that right. life, like, maybe we're just talking about Earth life with DNA and RNA. Like, it's maybe true. other life doesn't even have the same structure. Like, yeah.
1: that's, oh, my God, that's so crazy. Well, it really, you know, it's hard to speculate even on what that might look like. You know, right. it's only been 50 years that we've even understood the basics of how genetic information is, transferred on earth let Mm -hmm. alone a totally alien chemistry that we don't even understand like which reactions are happening at what temperatures let alone right you know Mm -hmm. this complicated transmission of genetic information right
0: and it's probably more likely that it's not the case that you know dna on or the dna or the structure of another life form is even remotely close yeah you know which which brings brings it back to okay so um so, sequencing in space, or really, in this case, sequencing in microgravity, close to zero gravity, mm. they've done it, which is good. Um, but what effects could you guys see gravity having on DNA, or the lack of gravity having on DNA?
2: I mean, from like a, a chemistry standpoint, I don't think there's much. The main thing you'd have to worry about in space, of course, is radiation. Um, mm-hmm. So, it may be helpful in that regard, if you could like test the astronauts, see how they're DNA is holding up against whatever Mm -hmm. Forces there are out there Um, But I mean it's I mean DNA doesn't really rely On gravity for any of its functions Um, Although Of course an extended stay could Yield stuff that we haven't Seen before Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah I mean I think it's At least for me, you know, most of this PCR reaction happens in, like, this microfluidics environment that doesn't have much... You know, gravity doesn't have much influence in the way that those molecules are Hmm. moving in the first place. Temperature is really the main factor, Mm -hmm. I feel like, in a lot
2: of these chemical reactions, so... But on, like, the technical side of, like, doing sequencing, most of what we do on Earth does require some sort of gravity, because Mm -hmm. just for the fluids, like, you add you know, the enzymes and, you know, all the tack and, and mm-hmm. stuff. So that becomes obviously a lot more difficult mm-hmm. if you can't channel it through the way you expect. Sure, yeah. sure, yeah.
0: I mean, you know, one of the examples of, of that on the space station itself is, I mean, how though they have to create this whole fluidic system that transfers water on the system sure. alone, never mind to recycle it, but uh, was it two years ago or last year they sent up... Um, uh, it's an espresso maker, coffee maker. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah. Wow. yeah. they sent it up but it it's like a crazy fluidic system oh. that has to wow. be able to use, you know, um just different techniques in in fluid dynamics basically, you know, closing that diameter to help force flow for yeah, the through only and that
1: there's like some kind of pressure differential, right, that they have yeah. to artificially generate.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, one of the big things for that we use on earth that we don't don't consider until you realize you don't have it anymore Mm -hmm. is you know the fact that you can bring water to a bottom reservoir you know that's a huge process and the fact that you already have a force forcing stuff down as long as you can keep going further down you can always generate more flow Mm -hmm. but without it it's a big difference so it's interesting to see even on the tiny tiny because I mean this this minion device is the size of like a Snickers bar like it's not it's not big um so to hear that it's even on that that level, it, it could definitely have a process uh, or uh it could make an effect to it is yeah.
1: it's good to hear. I think it's mm-hmm. important to point out too that you know this minion device is cool for what it is, but <clears throat> you know even um it's really I mean, it's a great piece of technology, but you know you're not going to be able to do like in-depth genetic studies? Sure. Well, and let's, like let's go very into that. Yeah. Yeah. It's got a very specific okay. application. It's kind of like how a floppy disk isn't good for, you know, you can't put a movie on a floppy disk. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? But could you I fit gotcha. an important program on a floppy disk? Yeah. yeah. If you knew what you're dealing with, right? Right. So. right. so you could,
0: yeah, so like floppy disk, you could do some some simple operations. Mm. But, okay, that's interesting. That's interesting. Okay, so let's go back to like, I want to kind of give people an idea of... Because you guys are both in genetics, what did when you guys went to school? Went to school together? Like, what were the things you were taking? Like, did you guys sequence DNA in school? Were you guys? Oh yeah. You know, yeah. So yeah. like, real quickly, you know, dive back into the okay. years ago it was that we were in school, which is terrifying to think of. Yeah.
1: But uh, like, give me some examples. Well, you know, in our program at WPI, there's a focus on practical laboratory techniques. So everyone getting a biology degree has to complete a minimum of Five, it was five or, like six it was lab courses, or six lab courses, something like six. that. Yeah. And, you know, they teach you the basics. You know, how to do a PCR reaction, mm-hmm. how to um, culture bacteria. You know, how to do. I took actually a plant biology course, mm-hmm. like how to mm-hmm. culture plant cells. That was very fascinating. There was also a mammalian portion, but yeah, I, I heard did. that the TA
2: was actually kind of a jerk, so <laughs> I, yeah. I yeah,
1: kind of skipped it. out on that one.
2: I wish I had taken it, but I did that. It was a behavioral one where oh, they give yeah, you like yeah, bugs yeah. and oh, rats, cool. and you kind of do experiments with them. Um, but then, I mean, also, as with any degree, there was the theory side where you're in, mm-hmm. in right. class and just going over, like, the actual chemistry right. that is what ha- what you're doing in the lab, how it all functions. Sure. Probe design. Like, can you um,
1: – because, you know, a PCR reaction really depends on sequence specificity, right? So, you know, you – without going too much into it, you know, you have to prime this reaction by kind of telling the chemistry, you know, what sequence do you want to amplify, mm. Right. So we had quite a bit of instruction, I would say, on how do you design how do you design your primers to amplify only the DNA that you want. It's not okay. useful really to amplify all DNA because that doesn't really help you. Then you just get like a big soup I gotcha. of nothing. And you kind of do anticipate that there is contamination because mm-hmm. you can't ever be sure that there isn't some. Okay. So what you do is you design your primers to exclude bacterial DNA as much as you can.
2: Okay. So I'm not it, sure if that makes any sense it's to you. It's a, an explanation of what a uh, probe is is like it's just a so short sequence of DNA, like A C T G G G G, and it just matches with a section of the code that you're trying to amplify. So okay. you have you know millions and millions of so sub- is it, is it base like genetic hangman?
0: You guys are playing? Mm, Not yes really. Or no, uh, I mean, like it's,
2: it's like it's like getting the puzzle pieces to fit. Right? Okay. So okay. it's like you have the you know a sequence that's millions and millions of base pairs, but mm-hmm. we care about this set of a hundred right section. here. Okay. So we find out a section that's on the right and the left of that, mm-hmm. and we say, okay. I'm gonna put in pieces that match those two, and then they'll they'll amplify that middle part and like make okay. copies of just that section you want.
1: Okay. To some extent, it's like you're you're playing the lottery. Like you mm-hmm. know that a bacterial genetic code is you know what like a million base pairs long, something like that, ten million, ten million. But if you look at the actual sequence, you you know that there's a very limited um, number of places in that genome where you have like ACGC TTT CGC. Mm-hmm. Those sequence of letters only happens maybe two or three times. Okay. So by using that exact sequence, what you're really doing is cutting down the possible contamination sites in your reaction. Since you know that that target sequence is enriched in the human sample, but probably isn't in mm-hmm. the bacterial sample. Interesting. I'm not sure if that's... Uh... Oh, it's it's a lot. Yeah.
0: Um, but no, The the first thought I had was it's almost like... So you're saying you know, instead of amplifying all of them at once, because then you just have a giant soup of mm. nonsense, basically. Right. You're you're kind of almost putting a filter on it, like I only want to see red. That's exactly right. right. Okay. That's exactly right. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. That's that's and, wild. So really, you guys are just playing a giant numerical game, just trying to, you know run it down. Yeah. You know, give sense, yourself the best
1: right. raw sample you can get. And, and, and then if you speak to very good, you know, laboratory geneticists, mm-hmm. they kind of have a sixth sense about how to goose those numbers in order to get the mm-hmm. results that they want. And right. Cause they, they might not always be able to explain to you. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they tried for me and I wasn't <laughs> able to, you know, I wasn't able to get it, but you know, they have, um, kind of this, um, very, polished ability to mm. see you know what is going to help this reaction in particular succeed
2: and it, because you can do like a certain combination of letters will can have a different like chemical interaction and there's all okay. these other chemicals that also attach on dna mm-hmm. that can make it easier or harder to actually get at that part of the code yeah mm. you, so, maybe
1: this you, maybe you don't want to hear this but you know just <laughs> use this you know this example of primers you know A. what did i say like acgc ttt cgc or something like that a mm-hmm. bunch, bunch of letters you know yeah. any string of 10 to 12 nucleotides which is you know one of the base pairs of dna any any 10 to 12 Number stretch of those pairs is going to have its own chemical properties. You know, some are kind of wobblier, some are stiffer. You know, like and you can manipulate the temperature of the reaction to. So take even advantage.
0: even the same base, even the same letter scheme can have different properties within themselves. Right. Depending
2: depending on how yeah. they're arranged and depending oh on what it's God. attaching to. So this is, this is like a, oh, so they're uh, dynamic.
1: Yes, they're right. you know they you know oh the God. helix of DNA itself is is rotating. The right. chemical bonds do allow for rotation, right?
0: It's so weird because, like, the only time I've ever seen DNA is, like, in some, like, moving picture where yeah. the DNA is moving around. So, like, that's the only reference I have for mm. DNA well, is it's, that, oh, it's a helix,
1: a double helix. Well, when you think about and, uh, it in the, you know, in the body when DNA is being used, you know, it's, it's actually quite a dynamic structure. It's getting mm. peeled apart. It's getting put back together. It's always being manipulated yeah, by changing, proteins yeah. that are kind of spooling it out, spooling right. it back in. It's actually so, in motion almost all the time.
0: So give me, like, a... A scale of size for dna like where is
2: it on the size like are we talking in blood you,
0: cells smaller than no, blood cells like,
2: right i mean obviously it's it's in every cell it's in right. the nucleus okay um, well not blood on, cells but well, yeah that's true <laughs> okay <laughs> uh, you know any cell that has
1: kind has of the a nuclear nucleus. component um, okay and and you know your body or i should say all life is very practiced at compressing that information down to mm-hmm. the smallest size possible um but if you're talking about the di- diameter of a helix, a mm-hmm. DNA helix itself, it's three point two angstroms, I think. Oh, a right? super small! small. The size well, of an I mean, angstrom?
2: if if you talk about like compared to other chemicals in the body, it's mm-hmm. actually pretty big just because it's so long. Oh, okay. Um, but I mean, the, the diameter is yeah, pretty small. It, it's very thin. Okay, it's like a
1: human hair, where like a hair can be very long, but on a diameter right. basis, it's quite thin. Okay. Okay. But you know, your like I said, your body will take that extremely thin helix mm-hmm. and then fold that into itself mm-hmm. a million times, and then mm-hmm. you get this big yarn ball kind of that- Damn. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I've seen pictures of
0: right of DNA. Yeah, and that yarn ball, yarn yeah. ball shape. Yeah,
2: this like histones is just it's something that the cell uh, uses to package it and it just wraps the DNA around hmm. it like hundreds of times, and that makes it a lot more compact. Damn, and, that's so wild. Yeah. yeah, and then to think about it because.
3: Uh,
0: Neri, I had you want to talk about the microbiome. Yes. And Neil, I, I've never had a chance to get to get your uh, take on it. Never, never mind what did Neri lie to us about. But <laughs> I don't even remember <laughs> what lies I told. So it's all right. I forget half the stuff I say <laughs> out here. Um, like the fact that the microbiome itself, like the bacteria that we have living in our own body, that's working in conjunction with us. That God knows where we even found it. Um, or like what came first? Was it the, was it the microbiome or was it the human, you know, whatever. Um, like the fact that it itself has its own DNA that's living inside us hmm. is fucking wild. Mm-hmm. Like now is that, is that because it's its own living thing? And is, yeah. is that, is that yeah, what it's it its is? It's its okay. own
2: species. So, I mean, uh, it's got its own code. It yeah. just, I mean, it's just like with any other symbiotic relationship, you know, vines and trees and, and whatever right. mm-hmm. that, we just work together, and it benefits both of us. Right. Right. If you
1: really want to start, uh, you know, cooking your brain noodles, you start thinking about it as, like, organisms in terms of their, like, total genetic complement. Okay. Like, obviously the bacteria in your gut that help you digest meat, that's directly helping you. Right. You can actually count those bacterial genes as part of the host genome. Oh, so it so the
0: host genome is actually, it, it was actually longer than... It, it, I mean, it, it, there's different Beals, classifications. Yeah. Don't let him run away there. with this. I'm just, but, just thinking, since well, just thinking, I need someone yeah. else anyway, with theories on the
2: show. I mean, that is like, <laughs> it's like uh, holistic medicine, right? It's, okay. it's, you, can, you can take it as a whole, on the whole, okay. or you can try to treat the specific thing. So, like, you okay. have your set of genes. It mm-hmm. doesn't. Interact with the, that microbiome, mm-hmm. but if you want to talk about an organism as a fully functioning unit, then then you, you include. Have to include. Okay, so it's bacteria. it's a it's
0: a matter of perspective slash context. Right. Philosophy. Okay.
1: It's a matter of philosophy. <laughs> yeah. Philosophizing.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's really interesting. See, I, I had a I, when we were talking about the microbiome, like to think about okay, you know. Were human beings only able to become human beings because these group of bacteria that came, like, did they perhaps maybe come to Earth? Are we, like, host for this alien species? Well, you
1: know, it's impossible for us to really know. Well,
0: I know it's impossible. I've just 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 thought of it. It's like, okay, like, where the fuck did this come from? Or is it just all... Just that's just that's what it is. Well, and we've just, that's we, how we've life always is. just kind of thought of it differently. We always thought like it's just the human being. And well, we realized,
1: well, the human being actually has all these different things that go with it. Well I th- I think that you have to you know, if you're looking at the basic chemistry that allows for life, it's to some extent dependent on the world in which it developed, right? But we won't know for sure if terrestrial earth life is really, like, the basic configuration for life until we kind of discover another example of it. If we find another form of life that's radically different, Mm -hmm. that will really make us think that, you know, Earth chemistry is unique to us. Mm -hmm. But if we were to discover Martian DNA and we had... You know, good evidence to support the idea that there really was no linkage between Mars and Earth and, you know, billions of years ago and mm-hmm. that they have a radically different chemistry but still have DNA or something mm-hmm. like that. That might make us think that maybe DNA really is the simplest possible molecule for life, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But again, that's, you know, we just need more data before we can start right. making these kinds mm-hmm. of assessments. We right. just don't have the right data points. Mm-hmm.
0: And I, th- I think we we lose the scope of the enormity and the, the giantness of the universe, you mm-hmm. know, like we get all caught up in like, you know, the superhero stuff where it's like, oh yeah, they just take a rainbow road and then go to the other planet. Like, that's great. Or like Star Trek, you mm-hmm. can just beam wherever you want or hyperdrive.
1: Based on my experience with Kerbal Space Program, I have to say <laughs> that it's extremely difficult actually. It is
0: really <laughs> difficult. It's wildly difficult. I got that game because I was like, I'm going to play this like a few hours a night. And then I was like, oh my God, the learning
1: curve in this yeah. fucking game is crazy. I crashed about 45 space planes <laughs> before I realized that it probably just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I think I settled for, like, a glider that had, like, a back-weighted rocket boost. And then nice. whenever I initiated the main thrusters, it was just <laughs> total chaos. Like, I could never. That's a different situation, I guess. But... Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, it, it's it's really interesting because, I mean, let's let's go really off the rails here and talk about aliens. Like, you know, people get really worked up about the fact that we can't find alien species. Or that there's no life out there. We haven't found anybody. So when are we going to find them? But if you take that simple fact of, man, the basis of life could be different on a different planet, which I'm, I'm a big believer. I, I think sure. it's really just a giant random machine that basically, as long as the conditions are good then, and a type of life happens to enter the system and then has the conditions to grow, then life will happen, regardless of whether it's the same life, you know, just DNA, you know that yeah. stuff.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, which, if at that micro level, is so different, then how can we expect at the macro level for us
2: to communicate in the same way or, right. or be able yeah. to receive the same information. There's a very big difference between there being life on other planets mm-hmm. and there being intelligent life on other planets <laughs> yeah. and, or and even d- intelligence that is similar to our own. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, and close enough where we can actually
1: have a meaningful conversation. It's, you know, like what happens when we find intelligent space trees, but it takes over a thousand years for them to say anything fucking useful, <laughs> you know, and then it's like <laughs> see you later, you plant fucks. Well, why, <laughs> why are we going to talk why? to you? And like, you know, why stick around? Yeah. This is terrible. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's truly awful. Uh, well, and then,
0: so then really the, so if, never mind the fact that you'd have to be close enough to talk to an alien species, mm. just, just for that even to be a possibility, never mind the fact that you'd actually be able to communicate. So really the best case we have is of the, the Voyager mission or something like that, or maybe in the future we contaminate some other planet. Of creating another species to then talk with them, because oh,
2: uh, I mean, if we if we did contaminate, it's probably going to be like bacteria, and to get from like bacteria mm-hmm. to something that can walk and talk is a, long, is a long, process. Yeah, you know,
1: right? we can't. You know, it's hard to look at. You know, we because we have an n of one for this. You know, like we saw multicellular life go to organisms basically in about a billion years on Earth, but you yeah. know that's only one planet. It's hard to know whether right. that's average is that slow mm. is that fast i don't yeah. know yeah like, what
0: were the factors that, that factors, got that what factors exactly and we'll, we'll having someone uh someone at the head at the helm of that
1: moving it forward is that gonna go faster is well, that you know it kind of depends on you know what you believe you know you have to look mm-hmm. at any species you know you'd have to den like de novo, from nothing, you'd have to create an entire ecology. Mm. Because you couldn't create just an intelligent species, you'd have to create a functioning ecosystem, right? right? And the microbiome for that creature, and then the microbiomes for all the creatures in that environment that would have to, you know what I mean? So, like, very quickly it would spiral out of control. Mm -hmm. The complexity would be enormous. So to design that um, would require, I think, some really smart aliens, you know, and then you also like think about ancient alien people who think that you know like the pyramids and all that business <laughs> or flat and, earth like, people or like, yeah or like you <laughs> know humans are a slave some sort of jumped up slave race mm-hmm. that escaped our shackles of alien slavery you know it's like these kind of fantasies are a little unrealistic because it's like why would you why would you fly forty five million light years so that you can have manual slave labor yeah (laughs) yeah yeah, i think you figure that out uh, probably (laughs) like why like why why? is there an easier way to do this yeah like like how could you get that far and then be like yeah let's just get these monkeys to do this yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah, if you could (laughs) go that far why do you need the monkeys to do it exactly (laughs) exactly you know you know Uh, there's also the possibility that aliens are not rational and that they're you know, have weird cultural norms and that, like, to make their religious authorities happy. They're not allowed to have robots do anything, and then that's why... They, but then you start to, like, generate these wild speculatory theories, and it's mm-hmm. like you can't really make those judgments without having met... Right? This isn't yeah. Halo, you know? There's right. no covenant, right. you know what I mean? Like, I, you just can't do there's this kind of no Arbitrator, arbiter. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I guess we don't know, but...
0: <laughs> well, it's funny, because, like... Like right now, the big thing and there's going to be a movie coming out soon about uh, I think it's a vice-based movie uh, about, you know, how the, the moon landings were really faked, sure. and, and it's not even a true story, but I guarantee you, I'm going to have to do an episode about it, mm-hmm. and we're going to have <laughs> to talk about the fact that it's not based on a true story, like, how the fuck would you
2: know? I don't understand these, because you can literally get a telescope and look at the moon and see the shit that we left there. Okay, so so flat earth people, right? I
0: want to get the data on where these people live. Not so mm -hmm. I can go find them, but so that I can figure out if they live in populations where there is high light pollution situations. Mm
1: -hmm. Because I
0: think, like, we live in the city. Yeah. There is large light pollution. So basically when you look in the sky... It's nonsense. It's black. You're never going to see anything. But if you live anywhere further out where there's no light pollution, very little, you're going to look at that sky. I mean, the ancient people of of Earth looked up at the sky with no light pollution and came up with crazy fucking ideas about how there's gods and stories and yeah, saw. But,
1: but Greco, they were just bored as shit. There was well, nothing to understandable, <laughs> for understandable, hours, you know, like, do.
0: Understandable, understandable. But if they mean? could actually, because okay, if someone's a flat Earth person, right? Okay, and they're going to say, okay, this is bullshit. It's flat Earth. And then all of a sudden they look up, like. I'm sorry, but that's going to make them redouble and think about what they just thought well, about. Yeah. You know, so my, my thing is, okay, is light pollution actually creating a social effect that people are actually going backwards in time? That they actually think mm. that the world is flat? Uh, it's, that's, it's just that's, weird. That's, it's uh, weird, that's weird reaching. man. That's, that's reaching. reaching. Yeah, I yeah, that's granted, reaching. granted, it is reaching. But, I mean, it's just like uh, there's got to be a reason for this shit. Other than the fact that nowadays we've got too much too much shit to, to confuse ourselves with. Well, I blame well, the
2: internet for that. Yeah, I wouldn't say there's more than there were. I mean, look at, you know... A couple hundred years ago, mm-hmm. if you yeah, said yeah. the Earth was round. You were burned Immortal. at the stake. True. true. <laughs> so so it's like so. Why are we going back to this old idea? I, I don't think it's a back. I just think mm-hmm. maybe we're not progressing as fast. Well, as I maybe. Think we maybe you, know, you got to I mean, look at
1: the numbers of this too. I think we can all agree that flat Earth people are like in the vast minority. They are right. They're just loud, and they have a platform. Right. Mm-hmm. They have the internet. They have, I guess, you know, do they have a TV show? I'm sure there is a TV show. <laughs> They've got show plenty of YouTube channels. They got YouTube channels. Yeah. You know, like it costs nothing to have a YouTube mm-hmm. channel, right? So they can blast out their, you know, silly ideas. Is, and there's nothing really to stop them. But, you know, 50 years ago, if you were a flat earther, you kept that shit to yourself because, like, who are you going to talk to about it? You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to call up the local newspaper and be like, I think the earth's flat.
2: And think pretty soon, when we have, you know, space tourism's, you know, yeah. getting cheaper, they That's think gonna it's gonna be flat. Heat. Just send them it's up. Like to like say, a limited yeah, a phenomenon. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think it is a limited phenomenon. I mean, it's like
0: anything else, just like, you know, crocs. You know, I think it's going to be something that, uh you know, it's good for a while and then everyone's going to be like okay relax you know yeah, it's, it's not that big a deal fine. It's fine. <laughs> oh my god all right let's let's bring it back let's bring it back so all right so we went through what it was like in college so did you so did you guys use dna sequencing
1: machines in mm-hmm. college yeah they had um some pretty um 70s era yeah pcr machines that we were allowed to use actually i guess late 80s that would be more fair to say
2: right they were not new, right. <laughs>
1: but you know you know they were functional. they got the yeah. job done so so
2: like what's how do you use one of those things what's i mean there's many, many different types of sequencers, and they have different applications and stuff. Um, but I guess the most common process of that they take advantage of is sequencing by synthesis, which literally means you're building more of the DNA and seeing what happens to figure out what the code is. So what okay. we use in our lab is an alumina machine, and um, what we'll do is we'll we'll strip one one side of the DNA, and then we'll add in these base pairs, the ACTG, but they're tagged with something that lights up, like red, okay. blue, green, yellow. Okay. And so you can actually stop the they'll, – they'll try to add themselves, but you can arrest that process and make it so that only one will add itself at a time. Oh. And then you hit it with a wow. laser and see what color it right. is. And you see, oh, okay, that's red, that's a yeah. C. So, like, pretty high-powered then, cameras. Right. Damn, yeah, right. this is, like, you're right. taking pictures of pretty much single... Molecules, right? yeah, yeah, molecules. Massive, yeah. massive pictures. yeah. yeah. Um, and so you just do that process over and over again, and then as you add it, you can get an idea of what the right. sequence is. And um, to th- get an idea of, like, how much data these, these pictures are, um, I think we... When we generate, we have one terabyte of information for each patient that's in the machine, Whoa. and we'll load, like, three, almost 400 patients right. into that machine. Whoa. So, so I think, you know, I maybe this is, like, a state secret, but I think, you know, it's safe to say that <laughs> well, good,
1: start, say <laughs> good Start generates, like, quite a bit of data, more than a library Allegedly, of week. Allegedly you know I mean? creates. Allegedly. <laughs> I have no direct or up-to-date information about that. But
0: that's fascinating, man. You guys are dealing with a lot of data. I, mm-hmm. I, I had no idea the amount of data well, you guys are I mean, so like that's
1: just cloud. when the cloud servers go down, it's like chaos, Oh, right? my because God. So we don't have the physical storage space at the
2: company. So right? that's just like the raw read data. That's the right. actual data of the pictures. And mm-hmm. we, don't, we don't actually use that directly. That goes up mm-hmm. into an Amazon thing, it gets, and it processes it for like three days. Wow. And then we get back you know, a the, couple the gigs of, yeah. of what we actually want. Yeah. That's, right.
0: that's wild, man. So so then, doing this in space is going to require a huge infrastructure.
1: Well,
2: it's, it's unlikely
1: if, at, that level, we're it. so, at so,
2: that level. right? At our level, yeah. like, we are yeah. like trying to compare that what they're doing up there to what we're doing. It's like the Model T versus you know the latest Ferrari that just came out. Right. To be fair, that Model is right. in space, so yeah. it's cool that it's <laughs> there, right? But it's not
1: going to compete with our uh, ground-based right technologies anytime soon, right?
0: Yeah, I mean it's the difference, I guess, between like. An iPhone and a desktop computer, like you're just gonna do right. the crunch board numbers of the exactly. desktop, computer, exactly. desktop computer. Okay, It
1: seems realistic to say that, you know, if they really wanted to do this kind of sequencing, they'd have um, very lightweight. Mm -hmm. Kind of sequencers to do the initial reading and then they'd beam that data back to Earth where Mm -hmm. kind of more advanced computing can take over, kind of stitch those results into something meaningful and then beam it back up. But I also don't know if NASA has any plans to do like deep sequencing, like Mm -hmm. genome-wide studies that would require kind of the...
2: What what kind of data connections do they have up there? Like if they sequence it, like how yeah, like how, like how long would it take to like beam that back up? Yeah, I
1: don't. Is it like I do don't they know. Have wifi um, Is it like, up there? Is it like yeah? Is it like I, they have KT internet meter. access? I know I know yeah. some
0: of the astronauts. I mean, they can go on Facebook. You mm-hmm. know, they can they can search the web. Um, but I mean, a lot of it, from what I understand, is you know, hard drive sourced. You know, like yeah. whatever you can have there, yeah. you're good. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think they're they're, they're rocking, you know, like, yeah, they're not, uh,
1: hard going on hard Yeah. They're not on Fios. Yeah. No, yeah, it seems about yeah, right. No one's
0: playing World of Warcraft up there. Right. Yeah.
1: No. Well, the, you know, that kind of gets back to the core issue though. It's like, okay, let's say we get a sequencer on Mars, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, well, how, how in the world are you going to transfer a terabyte of data between Mars and Texas?
0: Well, yeah. And right. then the other thing too, like, so for instance, a, a, a bit of perspective, so the New Horizons mission had a 64 gigabyte hard drive on board. Okay. And it took them about a year to transfer all that data from Pluto to okay. Pluto's a long long 3 billion miles. But mm. it took them a year to transfer 64 gigabytes to Earth. So, yeah. You know, I mean, granted yeah, it so it's a lot closer, but well, there's gonna be some sweet deals on computers. You know, so like, well, that's a
1: little, that's a little over five gigs a month, right? Yeah. So then, that's six hundred KB. It, hold on, GB. GB.
2: So that would be per, per day. day. That's like a fiftieth a of what? Yeah. What would you get from one person? <laughs> right.
3: Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, and that and that data is moving at the speed of light. Yeah. So Oh, yeah. oh that's a. Don't worry, that's just a, a... I don't know what's happening. You guys can't hear that, but oh, wait, we'll just leave it in. That, oh, was a, okay. that was an old sound effect that from the last episode. Oh, okay. That was a 3D printing segment. That's yeah. what that was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, wow, that was, that was weird. That was really loud. <laughs> <laughs> but going back to it, like, yeah, you would, we would need... We would basically be living on intranet you know, resources, yeah. which is like,
1: you think about like, what, how shit earth Instagram is. And then like, wait until you're like a Martian astronaut. And there's like right. two people to follow. Right. Yeah. You know where, you know, what shit meals they are going to be eating. Nothing is a re- you know, like how many filters like, is going to be. It's enough. like Mike,
0: I know <laughs> that you have your cool little thing going on right now, but I don't
1: care. I just don't care. I don't care. I don't care, I don't care about you or your rocks.
2: Look kind of filters would you have if everything's red? <laughs> maybe some uh, some yellows, uh, yeah, maybe yeah, some oranges. It's <laughs> unclear what would be <laughs>
1: preferable.
0: Uh, well, okay, so, so going back to humans on Mars, and just humans in space, so the DNA sequencing that we could do, maybe more limited it might be, um, given 20 years, 40 years, I'm sure they're going to be able to put all those processes into a machine to mm. do it internally and not yeah, need right. you know the internet to process I think yeah. we
1: we are shooting for Gattaca in terms of like rapid genome wide mm. identification of things but yeah. it's hard to, it's really hard to know what will pan out and what won't
2: at this yeah. stage
0: yeah i mean it's you 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 end up going into the dark waters of extrapolation you know, based on limited information.
2: And if you look at the progress we've made in sequencing technology right. just over the last twenty years, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised in forty right. years you could get a full sequence. Bizarrely, in, bizarrely know, up in there, the right? actual all the, the actual well.
1: sequencing right. has not been the hurdle, which everyone assumed that it would be. Mm. That part has been automated very almost easily. You know, like at this stage, it's fair to say that it's our interpretation we just right. don't know enough about the human genome's organization right. to really accurately assess that information
0: interesting so 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 we've figured out the mechanics and and viewing the mechanics of the DNA but we're right. just we don't know what we're looking right. at. Right. So it's like if uh, you, if
2: it's like looking at the computer code, and you can see the letters, right? You can see right. you know, var, var x equals, bar, but you don't know what the x is, right? You don't know what the variables used for. are. Uh, you, you don't even, you even know only what the have, function does. You right. only know yeah. what some tiny or if if it's a function, <laughs> you, Like
1: some of the programs are written in the programming language that you understand, mm. and some of them just aren't.
2: And it's mm. like you hear this this junk DNA, how a bunch of whatever percentage is of our DNA isn't actually used for anything. Right. It's junk. To me, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. There's no way uh, living that stuff would stick around for right. so long if it wasn't actually doing anything. Right. So it's just it's doing something that we haven't figured out right. yet. Is what yeah. my philosophy. Uh, of that, that, right. is. that makes
1: sense to me. Yeah. There's um, my flawed understanding is that yeah, a lot of that DNA that doesn't seem to have a discernible purpose actually serves like some kind of regulatory purpose yeah. that we have yet to elucidate. So kind of
0: some kind of like low-end processing that it's doing.
1: Right. Possibly so yeah. Like, yeah. And it's important to remember that it's a structural um the DNA itself mm. is a structural protein as well and that you know there needs to be mm. physical space between genes that the body uses for um like planning and strategic purposes kind of to make sure mm. that genes are expressed at the right time. Genes that are together oh, tend so- to be expressed together. So, like, for example, you don't want to activate the heart genes if they're too close to the liver genes, right? So the body seems to have spread those out a little bit to make sure you don't accidentally get expression of both.
0: And so are those different groups of DNA that are placed in different parts of the body, or are the strands stretched out in such a fashion that they're at different locations?
2: Well, so this was, like, my my specialty in college was epigenetics, and Mm -hmm. that's just pretty much a study of how DNA gets activated and the chemicals that attach to DNA to expression. Because, like, if, um, let's say there's a good classic example is a heat shock. Like, if mm-hmm. you get burned, right. there's a certain set of genes that start activating in your skin cells oh. to start the healing process. Okay. Um, but you don't want those activated all the time, right? Mm-hmm. So then, say, that, that temperature change, cell walls breaking down, those will release these signals, these chemical signals, Mm -hmm. and then your cells will know, oh, you know, something just happened. Mm -hmm. I need to now produce this protein so that I can start the healing process. Mm -hmm. So that's what we're saying is those sections that are apparently don't do anything Mm -hmm. are actually just waiting for the right conditions to then activate the next piece of code that's right next to them and say, okay, now make this protein. Right. And it's hard, you know, to replicate a lot of those conditions because Mm -hmm. obviously when we culture
1: human cells in a laboratory, that's actually not an environment that's very similar to being in the human body, Mm -hmm. you know. But it's a start. But it's a start. So it's like, well, you know, you can't – you hope that liver cells in a petri dish, like, you know, they really accurately, like, reflect liver cells in the body. But you have to be careful in those kinds of – judgments. Yeah, and
0: going forward with it, this is a conversation I was having this week with with somebody was, you know, when research comes out, you know, and people talk about how, you know, oh, this research said this. It's like, okay, well, what is research? Research is, and it was an experiment. Experiment is based on a certain amount of conditions. Right. This is what we found, repeated a certain amount of times, but based on those conditions. Mm -hmm. You know, and if those conditions don't transfer to real life right. then it's bullshit it's it's like it's great you found it mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean it's good and that's why research is so difficult is because you need to right. be good enough to get it to work in the lab under certain conditions and then bring it further out and make it work in the real life where all these other conditions are brought exactly. into it
1: exactly and you know i think that's the nature of science is that you mm-hmm. try to you try to show these um reproducible effects right mm-hmm. as strongly as you can but you're working in a laboratory it's a pared down environment you make it as simple as possible so that you can better understand the impact of any one event but mm-hmm. you know the human body itself is in like an incredibly complex situation um and it can be extremely difficult to model the complexity mm-hmm. right of of how that works and so it's it, to my, to me it's like almost miraculous that we're able to use some of these same techniques yeah. you know for dna sequencing in a way that more or less mirrors the way it seems to appear be happening in the body right yeah it's
0: it's wild i mean because not even like you know we have all these statistics on like okay what is like the average person from the united states that does this and it's like okay it's great it's an average it's right. good but then like when you really get into science there's that that is that moment especially like i remember i had this moment in college where i was like so wait a minute so all the statistics we've ever had and this and that are just based off of Almost nothing They're all generalizations They're all generalizations generalizations, You know So it's like Yeah it's like The people who stick to it Like it's Like it's I don't know Just Law It's like Well okay But why do scientific books Get rewritten
2: every seven years Mm -hmm. Why do we keep learning more Is because we don't actually know. Well, uh, the good good example of this is um, there's this uh, what is it, the central dogma of biology? They oh talk right, about, yeah. which is, is like the biggest sh- horseshit. In in, <laughs> information <laughs> flows one way when you're uh-huh. talking about DNA. It goes from uh, DNA to RNA to ribosome to protein, mm-hmm. and that's the one way it flows. It's a until line, then, right? we discovered yeah. how AIDS works, and it's a retrovirus. So it actually uh-huh. takes its RNA and inserts that into your DNA and makes DNA from that. Whoa. And so now like the central dogma biology that was the law of the land is like everyone realized, well, realize no. well that's well, that <laughs> not true. So so that's it's a little that's bit like funny. making that's photocopies funny. of an encyclopedia, right? And you're yeah. like okay, so normally you take
1: the photocopies out back to your house or whatever, but instead it's like this AIDS, this virus makes photocopies and then says, you know fuck those books. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna put these copies back in the library under a new name and no one will ever, you know what I mean, like it Causes yeah. chaos, right? And so, Damn. like, that's. Well, it's funny because as an aerospace engineer, when we first were
0: learning fluid dynamics, they had us take Fluids One, which was like a really difficult class. Uh, it wasn't the most difficult of the fluid series, but basically, they had to teach us in one way. And they told us at the beginning of the class, we're going to teach you it this way. But as soon as you take Fluids Two, we're going to teach you a completely new way. So it was like we had to teach you this to show you everything that we want to show you. And then, right. Oh, but guess what? Your, it's not it's, that easy. It's, it's all wrong. Yeah. It's all wrong. Yeah. It's, it's weird because as far as like teaching people, I mean, you know, I've done it a few times where, you know, either being like a, you know, like a coach or, you know, being, you know, training someone else for a position, like everyone's different. And sometimes you have to dumb it down just so that they can get to a certain level. And then you can get, okay, now that you're there, let me show you some crazy shit. So, I, you know, you know, I,
1: you know I, had a, I had this joke with another kid in our major, Ryan Clinton, who I believe later on went to get his doctorate, so he was smarter than I was, but he, <laughs> you know, me and him had this joke that, you know, um, the central dogma of biology, this idea that, you know, DNA is really the master source of information and it flows downhill kind of to RNA and then to protein and then gets expressed. It's kind of like, um, you know, when you're in seventh grade and people tell you that like Marco Polo discovered America, I and mean, then <laughs> yeah. you get to like 10th grade and you hear... That, like, well, actually, there were these Vikings. And actually, Marco Polo was kind of a dickhead. <laughs> and actually, you know, if you think about this a little bit more, you realize that actually, you know, America had always been discovered by like the millions of indigenous Native Americans that, you know, discovered Yeah, over every, the yeah, and, like, yeah like every yeah. morning they discovered America because that's where they were living. So <laughs> it's like kind of not fair at all to even bring Marco Polo, that fucker, into this conversation. And your head's just, you know, you don't know what yeah. to make of it because you're lied to. Yeah. I think Go you're thinking that. of Columbus. Uh, I was yeah. going to say, I was like, Marco <laughs> Polo did not <laughs> yeah, no. discover. I'm like, what is he talking myself. about? Sorry, I got ahead of myself. <laughs> the Columbus effect, I think, is actually what I mean, we We were just Ryan so came. into the rant, we didn't want to stop <laughs> no, you. No, no, I couldn't get you stopped. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm no, not a historian, as you can tell. But you like but... <laughs> to talk about history, which is very fun.
0: <laughs> I do enjoy it when you talk about history. Oh, my God. So... So the more I learned about DNA, because I – biology was always one of those subjects. I I liked biology, but because one of the major skills you had to have was memorization, it was Mm. one of the hardest classes for me growing up. Um, Just because I couldn't learn – I couldn't memorize something that quickly – you know, to to do it for a test, or I was also pretty stubborn too. Mm. Like I also was kind of like, why oh, I'm going to memorize this real quick, so that I have to forget it a week later. Yeah. Why don't I just learn this so that I know this? And that mm. it's probably why I had a hard time in college. But that's besides the point, because um, I was like, I want to learn everything. I want to mm. learn all of it. It's like, well, no, it's you got to learn what you can. So with DNA, really. It, it it like near you would explained it once it, it's yeah. basically this this rule book this book and each chapter is basically telling you you know okay this these are the functions this is how it works okay yeah so really dna is involved in everything and neil you were talking about how um you know with the with the reaction you have when you have a burn mm-hmm. but that's that's a um a reaction that gets activated from the genes so really it's it's almost everything from the human body Literally yeah, it's, it's the blueprint. It's the blueprint. So, um, you know, one of the things I thought of when you were talking about that was, um, you know, how some people... It, it must be a genetic response where, you know, the reaction to poison oak or poison I- mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. That must be a genetic oh, yeah. thing.
1: Yeah, of course.
0: You know, because I know, um, you know, I was reading, I was looking up on poison oak because I got it last summer. It was awful. It uh Yeah, it's awful. Um, but uh, so basically, so I have a genetic response to poison oak. Right. And it's it's just the immune system attacking it saying, "Oh my god, we need to attack this." But right. not Probably. everybody has that. Mm, yeah. And really it's not the poison oak itself that's giving you a rash, it's your immune system right. reacting to that.
1: Right, but you know, it, you know, you, it, this is kind of the idea of the arms race of, you know, biology, right? Mm. The plant doesn't particularly know or care mm. that you will have an allergy. It just knows that, you know, by generating this toxin, I can make Animals not eat me, and right. you are an animal, mm-hmm. so now you're not going to eat poison, poison right. oak. In case you were right. thinking about it before, <laughs> now you're really not going to do it. Right? Yeah.
0: So, all right. To go more into that, the arms race of biology.
1: Uh, you know, kind of the idea that everyone is always trying to beat each other right. and yeah. fill their ecological niche. The and basic.
2: Uh, you know, it's survival, survival that Darwinism, right. Right? right? So it's you know whoever can live long enough to mm-hmm. be able to reproduce and pass mm-hmm. the genes off to the offspring, and right. just whichever organism does that best, they're going to have more offspring, and you know, right. and then I mean, you got predator and prey mm-hmm. interactions, so it's you know, I'm going to put thorns on my back so mm-hmm. I'm harder to eat. Well, then I'll you know get this certain type of teeth that. Is yeah. you know I'll rip it through those yeah. thorns. <laughs>
1: it's, it's, it's hard to see, it, you know, especially with like porcupines or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's hard to say how exactly. And it seems clear that those spines are based on hair, right? Mm. But it's like okay, so like was there a particularly hairy like proto porcupine mm. that like first came about, and then there was another one that had terrible dry hair after that. You know what I mean? It's, it's hard to know, like, the sequence of right. events that kind of led to...
0: Yeah, and, and from what I've learned of it, it, it's almost like a lot of these just happen by chance. Like, a lot of these genetic advances, like, it's just like... Sure, You got definitely. lucky, and mm-hmm. that one worked, and you survived, you know? Um, yeah, it's wild. I mean, just to think, like, where we are now, what we have in front of us is just a giant game that's been played yeah. and like we're it's just here this is the, the level just we're on you just throw it you know, all in right, together yeah. let them fight it out and yeah. this yeah. is the result yeah it's it's fascinating I mean I, I like that where it's almost I like the idea of thinking okay whether you think of I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there whether you think there's a god or whether you think there's a, an ultimate being that's putting it forward sure. regardless of all that stuff even if you do there's gotta be a level of understanding where you're like alright it kinda just lets us do whatever we want kinda just the rules laid are the place. foundation right. the
1: rules are in place and just
0: said mm. go for it do what you want. Whatever happens, happens. This is going to be fun to watch. And you
1: you know, I can only imagine that even if there was, uh, you know, an ultimate being who was actively, uh, stacking the deck as it were Mm. for some of these events, you know, would he really let himself be caught doing so? Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I was in charge, you, you could always just like forge your documents and make sure that it was quote unquote, always happening that Mm -hmm. way. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, Mm -hmm. I think God probably backdates his miracles. (laughs)
2: Here, uh, was it Bank of America put out a statement to yeah, their exactly. where they said there's like a 20 to 50% chance that we're not a sim- simulation, like oh we're not God. living in a matrix kind well, of. That's funny because, uh, what was it, Elon
0: Musk uh, said that the other day too. It um, wasn't the other day. It was a little while ago. I did a segment on it. And it's funny because it's like simulation theory is – fucking
2: interesting thought. Yeah, like we're talking about interesting. like an interesting things to think about. To some existential crises. Oh yeah. man, that's, it there, was right. funny
0: because he, he was just talking about stuff and then someone, I was like at a conference and someone who clearly was like convinced <laughs> that this is the Matrix <laughs> oh, okay. was like trying to get it out of him that he is saying but why yes would he know? De- well, exactly. <laughs> like what does he it's, have to do with know. Yeah. And mean, it's just like, lawn. it's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Neo, tell me. Tell me this is the Matrix. I need to know. Yeah. Let me take the blue pill. Uh, right? It was the blue
1: pill he took? Well, I think it was the red one. Damn it. No. Was it anyways, the red one? Well, I I that's it why was I'm not the, the Matrix. Yeah. I, um, I thought the blue one was like, you go back to sleep. Yeah, the blue ones, you go back, you uh, go back to sleep. back to being a drone, It was the red pill. It was the, it was the
2: red, red one. <laughs> anyways. I don't think you should be um, taking
1: pills from a man you don't know anyways, but... What yeah. if he's
2: wearing a leather jacket and has cool sunglasses? I mean, maybe the sunglasses. I mean, he would seems be... like a straight shooter. <laughs> he seems like a normal guy. I don't. If you're using the word straight shooter you probably should be taking drugs. <laughs> yeah, pretty
0: that's much. probably your first problem. Anyways, um like at that conference like they were trying to get out of like Elon Musk like whether he definitely believes and you know Elon Musk being that high intellectual he's never going to give you a straight answer. Mm, so, no. like he's he's talking about how, you know, I've had Many conversations to the point where we had to make a rule that we don't talk about simulation theory in a hot tub. Mm. That's how many times we've talked about wow. simulation theory.
1: <laughs> you know, it's it's you know it's it's important <laughs> to realize too. It's like not really a provable hypothesis no. at this point. So like, why waste your yeah, it's, CPU it's cycles on this? You're not going to really figure it out. You're not going to crack it. That's like trying <laughs> to figure out who assassinated JFK. Well, I, like, I don't, like, I think it was the CIA <laughs> that, you know, that's for me, right? That's not for everyone. That's for John Neary. It's just for me. Yep. That's, uh, <laughs> but,
0: uh, no, it's, uh, we went really off the track here. Um, <laughs> um, all right. So let's rule this back in. Um, so, Neil, you talked about a bunch of times. You know some of the things that could be useful for astronauts, people, humans in in space, for for genetics and being able to figure out, you know, okay, what's going on with my body, what can we do to to change it? And I think that's one of the major things that they're trying to find with a lot of this genetic research. You know, the the year in space was mm. a was a huge thing for that, and you know. Going further down, I, I think having some kind of sequencer with them, and it it may become one of the you know household items on a spacecraft is a genetic sequencer.
3: Yeah, I wonder about know? that.
0: Yeah, it's just like okay, let me see what's going on with my body right now. Uh, you know, do you know? I mean, it, and we're talking about everything here,
2: right? We're talking about every process in your in in the body,
3: mm-hmm.
2: right? I mean, there 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 are some. So, that you can't. Mm-hmm. so when you sequence the DNA Like I said it's looking at the blueprint But then sure. there's the other parts that regulate The expression of it okay. So you'd get that blueprint but like uh, You wouldn't know how it's right. actually being Enacted because it's, so, okay.
1: it's a physical object these proteins right So the DNA is a phys- it's, it's hard to remember sometimes that these things Like exist in reality and that they're not Just kind of like these constructs Right mm-hmm. they're not programs where they Kind of operate in this weird space right mm-hmm. That isn't quite real but Like Neil is saying, some of these proteins that do things for example that moves sodium ions in and out of your cell right mm-hmm. that is an express function of this protein it lets sodium in it like stops sodium from getting out right mm-hmm. but those proteins also regulate other proteins which mm-hmm. in turn back regulate the first one which in turn regulates six other things which okay. those six also interact with the other regu- you know what i mean so it's yeah. like by looking at just that one sodium channel you can't mm-hmm. really make too many judgments about the way that the rest of the system right. is operating mm-hmm.
0: and so is that is that where so just to, to share my thought, so really it's this giant intertangled web of exactly. functions, yes. and even though you may be able to find the function, you still need to be able to look at the the rate of that function and then what affects that function, and then right. you know and that's
2: what we are saying, like the stuff we don't know, like we can mm-hmm. get that blueprint, right, but you know we can see, okay, here's an iron beam, and here's mm-hmm. you know a girder, but how do they actually work right together. And right. then, like what happens when you crash a car into mm. you know what I mean like we just mm.
1: don't have the full picture and right. like we can't predict in a laboratory every possible complexity right of right. the med- like whatever is happening biologically. So mm-hmm. a lot of it is guesswork, you
0: know. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating, man. It's so complicated and and incredible I mean that we have this process inside of us like it's just I I, I kind of think of it as like it's like a
1: hard drive that's never been defragmented in 4 billion years (laughs) and that has like somehow run Windows you know what I mean it's like every piece of code has a function but we don't always necessarily know what it is and Probably there are remnants of our genome that are expressly designed to fight caveman diseases mm-hmm. that we have since not become inco- – you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there's things in our genome that would help us in situations that we are no longer in contact with, right? Right. right. That they're, haven't been turned on because they, they didn't, right. had no reason to turn right. on, or, right? Or yeah. maybe that they're still there but now they just serve an important part of the regulatory network and whatever mm-hmm. original function they might have had has been kind of repurposed right. and retooled right. into some other – situation because they you know there's not a lot of waste in these kinds of systems there's a mm-hmm. strong i would say a strong drive to um simplify or reduce it takes,
2: it takes, energy, it and takes resources energy and takes energy right. copies of things and mm-hmm. so the l- less resources you can use to still have a functioning copy the better mm-hmm.
1: and and you know that said um plants have genomes that are Tens and hundreds of times the size. Right.
2: Mm. Tomatoes have more chromosomes than you do. Right, that's which crazy. doesn't
1: make any sense at all.
2: Yeah, I, yeah. If if the idea
0: is, if the theory is, you know, the more complex the being, the more DNA they have. Mm.
2: Then yeah, that, but, that's thing. But I mean, when you say the complex, yeah, the humans right. look what more is the complex complexity? than a tree. Right. But right. if right. you so get into that, like, look mm-hmm. at the chemical right. interactions. There's probably a lot more going on there right. that you can't see. Just from looking at it, and there,
1: there are even other animals that you know. Even if you're going with the idea, okay, look, like a human being moves around, we don't Mm -hmm. have the luxury of staying in one place, Mm -hmm. right? A tree, in some sense, can maybe have more genetic information because it's less likely, it's less. How do I say this? It's less susceptible to energy loss than, like, an moving organism might be that has to find okay. food.
0: Right, right. right. And, and in the search of food is losing energy. Uh, exactly. Right? <laughs> but even
1: if you take that concession, it's like there are animals out there that have genomes that are huge, like, hugely greater than... There are reptiles out there, I think, with yeah, massive Yeah, I genomes, remember seeing right?
0: something online about that, about just, like, showing, like, the numbers of DNA and just, like, some, like animal you never you wouldn't consider right, like and it's like that has more dna like a
1: than... has yeah. like four <laughs> times the genetic information that you do and right it's like, what, like what are they doing that i'm not yeah how like, dare dare you yeah. suggest that yeah. what right. the hell
0: <laughs> so one of the other things that uh i've talked to you guys about before um i just want to rehash is you know this whole thing that's really happening in other countries not not in the u.s because we have uh ethical guidelines, but people are testing, turning off, turning on, changing different DNA processes, different switches, I guess, as far as I've understood it, you know, and kind of based on what you guys have told me, like, even though we may be switching or changing one of them, we don't know what the overlying you know yeah, big picture, picture changes. We, really
1: we really don't and yeah. that's why um when you hear about you know chinese scientists making edits mm-hmm. to human embryos i think to most united states scientists we see that as um kind of a dangerous precedent to set mm. because we really don't understand the long-term implications of that kind of testing right. especially if you Consider that, you know, okay, let's say that we do start modifying embryos, and they get born, and they become human beings, and they go on and have children of their own. Mm -hmm. Well, now those modified artificial changes made to the genome are now loose Mm -hmm. in the human population. Yeah.
2: What happens then? And, like, then you can't just tell this organism, oh, you can't live like a normal human. Well, yeah, like now this. we've got a huge ethical <laughs> yeah.
1: dilemma on our hands. Yeah, it's... Uh... I guess the fear for me is that, you know, there are, there are genes in the human genome that um, over generations become toxic to the host organism. Mm. When you look at Huntington's disease, mm. that's a gene that, um, you know, in its normal state um, is fine. To have, but in people who develop Huntington's, that gene has actually kind of made mistakes after mistakes, mm. and errors have kind of crept in. Mm-hmm. And this gene um, has more and more repeats, mm-hmm. um, which I don't think I'm going to get into here, but basically, that toxic protein kills you. What happens if we make changes to an embryo and introduce one of these toxic proteins? Then that gene kind of will expand in, in the human population. Yeah, it'll we do might, what it's
0: supposed to do. Which and is, we might yeah. not
1: know for 100 years that we've actually kind of consigned millions, mm. right? All the people who are initially descended from that one artificial embryo, right. we might be condemning them to an early death, which mm-hmm. is like how can you predict that happening? Right. It's I I think that I'm strongly against the other thing of human genome,
3: mm-hmm.
1: like human embryos. But you know that opinion isn't shared with mm-hmm. some professionals. Yep. They some people think that it's worthwhile and should be done.
2: Mm-hmm. Neil? Um. I mean, somebody's gonna do it. Yeah. It, it's yeah, gonna happen. It's gonna happen. Whether you want it to or not. Um. It's just about doing it responsibly. And in this case, the Chinese study, they, um, they don't let it go past like. Thirty days past fertilization, or something, like and, it never uh, develops into more than right. an amalgamation. And, and of actually, and to stem my cells. understanding,
1: those those embryos were actually um, they were they had an extra copy of right. The they were already which unviable. W- right? They okay. were not. They were not viable embryos in their own right, mm-hmm. which means that they would have never have developed into a healthy human being. Mm-hmm. They would have miscarried at some point during pregnancy if they had been allowed to continue, but. You know, it doesn't really solve the problem, which is that, you know, an irresponsible ethical oversight mm-hmm. to next year could potentially, you know, harm thousands of people a right. hundred years from now. Mm-hmm. So,
2: but, but like I said, it's, it's somebody's going to do it, right? Whether sure. if you're not offering it through official means, mm-hmm. somebody in a back room somewhere is going to take. Because people will pay yeah. for it, right? Yeah. They wanna, they want their yeah. kids to be, which is perfect. shitty because and, and those guys yeah. are usually so the, worst the best, scientists, yeah. right? The, yeah. So the best way to do yeah. it is to is to study it out in the open, mm-hmm. um, through responsible means, and then if you'd be better able to identify when that backroom stuff is going on, right. and you could take action against it. Right. Interesting. Interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Because.
2: Yeah,
0: you're right. I mean, yeah, usually the ones who are doing that are usually the ones who... Right. you know, you it's know. not
1: the guys who are running their own research department that decide they're going to risk it all for an right. extra 50 grand, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, you know, it's probably, like, the the struggling grad student who's like, I need to pay rent this month. Let me whip out the science kid. You mm-hmm. know, this is, like, 10 years from now, maybe not right. now, but... Right,
0: Yeah, but it's, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, every, every branch of science has their own ethics, you know, has their own uh, branch of ethics. I remember uh, as an aerospace major i had to attend a class it was mandatory and like you couldn't graduate if you didn't go to it and it talked about the ethics rightly so of you know the airline industry and you know um if you go into the space side you know Mm. you're dealing with large amounts of risk and one mistake ruins your career you know i think one of the examples they used was uh it was a um, it was a building that was being made and they didn't take into account, they overlooked, they, they they there was a moment where they said, hey, we're building this building, but environmentally, we're in a location where there are high winds. Is it likely that these high winds are going to happen? Mm-hmm. No. But if a storm does happen and this building gets hit by those winds, this building is going down. And whoever was in charge of the project looked over it. And then, it happened. It happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that guy now cannot get a job anywhere because he lost it. So it was, you know, it was one of those things. That was that was one of our ethical dilemmas was, okay, you know, make sure that you bring to light all the different things that you may find. Because mm-hmm. that one thing in your industry could cost hundreds of thousands of lives. You know, you need to do that because not only is it good for yourself, but you will not be able to work right mm-hmm. ever again. Never mind the fact that you're killing people, but, <laughs> right. you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure you guys, you know, you guys are just talking about that's another ethical thing that you right. guys are running into.
1: And, you know, it's funny because there are actually, you know, um, national well, worldwide conferences actually that are still happening to mm-hmm. determine when, when should you even think about this kind of editing? And I don't right. know, I'm sure yeah, if there Every year an they meet and they, they look they at they the, the technology. Kind of, and, yeah. And they and, kind of wrangle with these kind of decisions, you mm-hmm. know, and there's not a clear cut answer yet, I would say, yeah. for them.
2: Science is a fucking crazy yeah. world, man. Well, I mean it goes back. There's no like technology it's not good and evil in itself. Right. It's how it's used.
0: Yep. Yep. It's funny, it's the at this point it'll be two episodes ago. That's what I was talking mm-hmm. about. I was uh it was the nine eleven episode. And uh you know, it's a it's the same thing, it's the same argument with a gun, it's the same argument with, with a plane, it's mm-hmm. the same argument, it's just you know, yes. Is this tool able to do Lots of different things. I think things. it's, yes. you
1: know, it's very easy to take that stance now before somebody develops like ravenous bear piranhas <laughs> and you are freaking swim- sharks. Yeah. That, you know what I mean? Freaking laser like, beams on Yeah, them yeah beams. exactly. And then it's like, oh, it's like, oh, yeah, it's very nice to take this neutral stance before your liver is being excised from your body by a ravenous genetic abomination. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> uh,
0: but we could develop, you know, these. Uh, uh, I don't want to say ravenous I'm trying to find for like The, the antithesis of that word uh, um, Polite? Ju- Genetic uh, abomination? Judicious <laughs> Judicious dolphins that, uh, are that are able to Fight those, can, about, but, those piranhas Bear piranhas We can combat
1: those piranhas With dolphins But that's the biological arms race It's like what happens When we make those dolphins <laughs> yeah, Telepathic I mean, this... How long will they be Satisfied with slavery Before they turn on us And use their You know what I mean Like this is <laughs> it's just like
0: we, uh, we will reach uh, that
1: Conclusion when we get there Exactly
2: um, something that's going on right now, the, mm. the Zika, you have heard about the genetic... So, yeah, uh, let's, yes. let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, what's going on with that? So, one of the um, ways they say they can combat it is they'll introduce a gene into the mosquito that carries it where all of their offspring will be male. Mm-hmm. And so, eventually through several generations, they'll run out of females and right. the population will crash. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, obviously the benefits of that is you have less Zika, mm-hmm. but what else is that going to do to right. the ecosystem, right? right. There are right. things that eat that. And, right. you know, maybe it has a a place in forming the um, actual environment, like ponds, yeah, right. marshes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, we think we have a pretty good idea of right. all the interactions, but there's right. no way we can know all
0: of it. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it's one of those things. Like if it was, if we're talking like, end of the world apocalypse like zombie apocalypse yeah. type thing then yeah i i see us doing something like that because you know what the end justifies the mean you know mm-hmm. we will deal with what happens in in the the aftermath of everything but right. you know to whew, yeah
1: that's an ethical dilemma right there man mm-hmm. because it's like yeah we don't know what we're doing we don't it's you know it's and it's also you know i think that to some extent you have to be careful when you say, okay, in a laboratory, this will make sense, right? But mm-hmm. I think it's become expressly clear, I think, to most people that, you know, the laboratory really doesn't accurately reflect the real world in a yeah. lot of very important ways. We can cure mice of cancer, right? Mm-hmm. Gotten very we, good at that. We've <laughs> become very talented at curing mice of cancer, but that doesn't really always have a direct benefit to the human patients, because we find out that really mice and humans aren't that similar for this particular molecular pathway or Mm -hmm. something or another, right? So, (laughs) even if we were to you know make these transgenic mosquitoes that breed themselves into extinction it's like well you know what happens when two generations in there's one mosquito subpopulation that's resistant and then now we've kind of ruined this yeah. whole population of mosquitoes for nothing and then the population of wildlife fish crashes and so the swamp weeds
2: overgrow and science cannot advance without heaps yeah, I just, you, know,
1: you gotta be careful you
2: know one, one of my favorite uh, science-based cartoons was um it's the idea that we're getting so good at, like, controlling mice and, like, messing with their biology that at some point we're going to create mice that are smarter than us. <laughs> yeah. And then they're going to be the ones experimenting on us. Uh, <laughs> right. Because, like, we're we're not experimenting on people, obviously. I can on only people, hope that our, right, our mouse origins, origins, but... are <laughs> kind
1: to my grandchildren because, right? Like, we won't be I don't know. It's yeah, a you, funny yeah, your you family's going to have of, a hard a lot time. my
2: souls on your. Man, yeah, conscience.
1: you want to hope they don't yeah. get into the. Uh, I, I don't have a good karmic record when yeah. it comes to
0: yeah. mice. Let's hope they don't get into yeah. the spy records of uh, the United mm-hmm. States and uh, find all yeah. the terrible things you've done for the I mice population. Can
1: only, <laughs> I can only pray that I've <laughs> slipped quietly into a peaceful oblivion. But, you uh, may have to get off the grid at some y- point.
0: Mm-hmm. Time. For yeah. Mice. <laughs> Ooh.
1: The super, mice. the super mice Oh god The telepathic dolphins <laughs> Fighting the piranha the, Yeah the telepathic dolphins Waging guerrilla war On uh. the genetic monsters <laughs> <laughs> But
0: yeah man Damn has a lot to think about But
1: Luckily we're not making those decisions So that's good I plan on not that's making good. them actually I'll bitch about them endlessly But I'll never be the one <laughs> Never be the one to actually make a choice So
0: Oh man! Well, all right. So let's let's close this out. Let's let's go back. So, with the research they've done, they sequence DNA on the International Space Station. um, Is it far fetched to say that this is uh, a step in the right direction towards the Star Trek life of you know a tricorder, being able to analyze life at a you know, at the same pace of, you know, looking a status up on your Facebook.
2: I, I think it's in the right direction. I mean, there is obviously a huge jump between, yes. you know, <laughs> needing a physical sample and just being able to be like, whoo, oh, wait, all right, I got yeah. everything. <laughs> your your
1: uh, duct taped TV remote and the general direction of the <laughs> alien that you're currently presenting so, with, right? So,
2: I mean, it is, I think there's a lot more that we can tell now mm-hmm. because of that. I mean, but you still need a physical sample. Right. Maybe... In you know the future, we will have that technology just that right. we can be new and in. there's
0: there's thousands, possibly millions of technical advances in, mm-hmm. in the correct. in the path
1: of that correct but i I do think it's possible that you know the same miniaturization that we are currently implementing right. in DNA sequencing could be applied to other kinds mm-hmm. of DNA sequencing, assuming. You know that Martians have DNA that we recognize. <laughs> that that right. was
0: something I never even considered. Yeah, mm-hmm. that that was that was huge today. That that blew my mind pretty early in the episode. Um, that life we may even
2: find may not even. Yeah, we could put put ah. put the DNA in this thing, and it just <laughs> is like, yeah. what what the is, fuck this? is this? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it will just gum up the machines, right? Yeah. And then we
1: have to start over from score one. You and know, God. there's a reason why. You know, like. There's some thought that you know even if we did discover alien life, we'd have to you know invent basically a whole new duplicate field of right. biology to study this you know xenobiology. Right? There's some pretty good sci-fi books about that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, alienology, xeno and, oh xenology, xenobiology, xenogenetics. Ooh. Ooh. Right. Ooh, or if there was like a you know um, you know Proxima Centauri like Centaurian mm-hmm. genetics.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They kind of name it on Mm. the location. I'm basing
1: this entirely off of Sid Meier's Alpha (laughs) Centauri, the Forex. It's a wonderful game.
0: Uh, Well, hey guys, as always, this is this is always fun. Thank you Mm -hmm. guys for coming on. No problem, Um, pleasure. Yeah, man. And 100 episodes again. Yeah. Thank you guys for being a part of it. Cheers. Appreciate it. And as always, everybody, enjoy your life. Go out and do what you want to do. Don't let anything get in your way. And think outside the box to get yourself there, okay? So spread love, spread science, and have a great week.